Happy day, you lovely humans. This is John Fitch, the host of Time Off. Got some exciting interviews coming up, but wanted to experiment with a different concept for the podcast. If you weren't aware, the Time Off podcast has been evolving into a book called Time Off. No surprise there. And I'm writing the book with Max Frenzel. And it's been a wonderful process creating with Max. And aside from studying interesting profiles of people that deliberately practice time off to their advantage, the science on why rest is essential, I've really enjoyed just creating a book with Max. We complement each other. And when you're putting together a book, there's a lot of what I call leftovers from your research and writing that won't necessarily make it into the book, but are meaningful pieces of content to help us with the time off movement. And with some of those leftovers, we write articles and share those on the internet. And so Max wrote an article recently called The Future of Work and Leisure. And you can find it online if you look for Max Frenzel Time Off in a Google search. You'll find the articles he's written and likely some of the content I've produced as well. But rather than reading it, I think Max reading his own work, if you're more of an audio-favored person like myself, then you can take in the knowledge rather than read it. So this episode is going to be Max reading his article about the future of work and leisure and why time off, we believe, will be a key strategy moving forward for not only entrepreneurs, business leaders, but artists, creatives, knowledge workers, and really all of us. I hope you enjoy Max's reading of his article. The future of work and leisure, why creativity and empathy will be the key skills in an AI-driven future. For most of human history, the notion of work was essentially equivalent to manual labor, first on fields and farms and later in factories. At the beginning of the 20th century, the average factory worker worked for more than 10 hours a day, six days a week. This all changed in 1926, when Henry Ford introduced the 8-hour workday and 5-day workweek, while simultaneously significantly raising salary above industry standards. Why did Ford do this? It was not because he was simply a nice guy. He might have been, I don't know, but his reasons for doing this were much more practical and business-driven. First of all, he recognized that if he offered better working conditions than anyone else, he could easily attract the best talent. And this is exactly what happened. The most skilled workers left his competitors and lined up to work at his factories. And if someone wasn't performing, he was simply let go. There were more than enough people willing to take over the position. Second, he figured that if people have no free time or are too exhausted to use their free time, they won't spend any money on leisure activities. To quote Ford, People who have more leisure must have more clothes. They eat a greater variety of food. They require more transportation vehicles. 
Leisure is an indispensable ingredient in a growing consumer market because working people need to have enough free time to find uses for consumer products, including automobiles, end quote. It was purely economical. By giving his workers more leisure and more money to spend on leisure, the same workers would finally be able to buy the very products they were producing. More free time would not harm but boost the economy. Finally, and most relevant for the point I want to make here, he realized that his workers would simply be able to do a better job on less hours for two distinct reasons. The restrictions on time would lead to more innovation and better methods. People would actually think about how to work rather than just grinding things out. Again, quoting Ford, we can get at least as great production in five days as we can in six, and we shall probably get a greater for the pressure will bring better methods, end quote. Besides, more rested workers are in general more effective, motivated and make fewer costly mistakes. In essence, Ford saw that even for manual labor, equating busyness with productivity only worked up to a certain point. In 1936, shortly after Ford shortened the working time in his factories with repercussions that we still feel today, philosopher Bertrand Russell published his wonderful essay in Praise of Idleness. In this essay, Russell noted that historically it was not work, but rather the celebration of leisure that allowed us to accomplish many of the things we now consider the biggest achievements of civilization. Quoting from the essay, In the past there was a small leisure class and a large working class. The leisure class enjoyed advantages for which there was no basis in social justice. It contributed nearly the whole of what we call civilization. It cultivated the arts and discovered the sciences. It wrote the books, invented the philosophies, and refined social relations. Even the liberation of the oppressed has usually been inaugurated from above. Without the leisure class, mankind would never have emerged from barbarism. End quote. When talking about leisure, Russell meant a particular kind of high-quality leisure, such as reflection, contemplation, and learning, not endlessly scrolling down our Facebook feed. Way ahead of his time, he saw the popularity of what he called passive and vapid amusements as a consequence of people being too exhausted from excessive work to engage in more active and meaningful leisure activities. He argued that the way forward is to rediscover our appreciation for true leisure and time off, and to have everyone join the leisure class, not just a select few. Again, quoting from the essay, Leisure is essential to civilization, and in former times leisure for the few was rendered possible only by the labors of the many. But their labors were valuable not because work is good, but because leisure is good. And with modern technique, it would be possible to distribute leisure justly without injury to civilization. I want to say, in all seriousness, that a great deal of harm is being done in the modern world by the belief in the virtuousness of work, and that the road to happiness and prosperity lies in an organized diminution of work. End quote. Given this trend of some of the leading industrialists and thinkers supporting and promoting leisure in the early 20th century, we should now be living in a culture which, similar to, say, ancient Greece or Rome, values leisure highly and sees busyness actually as a form of laziness and lack of time management and deep reflective thought. Yet, the opposite seems to be true. We find ourselves in a culture that all too often wears busyness, stress and overwork as a badge of honor, a sign of accomplishment and pride. Someone who leaves work on time and takes ample breaks during the day can't possibly be as productive as someone who grinds out long hours of overwork day after day and barely ever leaves their desk, right? The problem is that even though we have largely shifted from manual labor to knowledge work, workers still suffer from the intellectual equivalent of factory work mentality. To a small extent, this may be justified. There currently still remains an unnecessarily large residue of the intellectual equivalent of factory work. This is the kind of work where more time put in actually does largely correlate with more output generated, at least up to a certain extent, as Ford already realized. 
It's the kind of work that genuinely justifies long hours and sacrificing time off. But this is also the least valuable kind of work. And this value is further diminishing all the time, rapidly. These are exactly the kind of tasks that are ripe for disruption and ultimately replacement by AI and other productivity and automation tools. Their days are almost numbered. In my previous job, I was leading the development of an AI-powered tool that helped financial analysts search for large amounts of news data and generate insights from these texts. With this tool, analysts managed to cut the time it took to search for relevant information and generate certain reports for their managers by up to 90%. That's 90% less time wasted on a routine task that can now be reinvested in work that actually matters and that truly utilizes their skill and creativity. Or alternatively, it can be invested in time off, and this is a worthwhile investment. Similarly, think of medical professionals or lawyers as some stereotypical examples of expert professions. How much of their time is wasted on administrative work or tedious search tasks, and how little time actually used applying the skills that make them experts, such as spending time with individual patients or deeply understanding a client and their case? A modern hospital can at times feel like a factory, with patients treated as standardized units being sent as if on a conveyor belt from one station to the next to receive a quick glance to make sure they fall within a certain tolerance window and then move on. Now imagine what this could look like if AI allowed these doctors to spend 90% less time on all the routine tasks and reinvest this into face-to-face -face time with their patients, or simply to get some sleep rather than pulling 30-hour shifts. AI will not take away our jobs, nor will it threaten or weaken our human values. My friend and co-author John Fitch and I would argue that the opposite will be true. Yes, AI will disrupt the job landscape, but the kind of jobs that will remain, as well as newly created, will be centered around human skills such as creativity and empathy. And these skills are highly non-linear with respect to time. More time in does absolutely not correspond to better or higher output. In fact, it is very easy to put in too much time to ignore the balancing and nourishing effects of rest and as a result to diminish one's output. In the future of work, time off will not be something that is considered a nice to have or an enticing benefit that a generous employer provides to attract and retain talent. Instead, the deliberate practice of time off will be one of the key skills and competitive advantages. In addition to our work ethic, we should seriously start thinking about our rest ethic. John and I are so excited about this future that we are currently working on a book on the topic of time off. We hope to encourage more people to rediscover this ancient art that seems to have been largely forgotten and give very practical tips for how to cultivate and use high quality leisure, as well as share incredible stories from both history and present times about amazing people who have harnessed the power of time off. We believe that already companies and individuals that focus on placing empathy and creativity and the practices and habits of leisure that support them at the core of their corporate or personal philosophy will thrive. And soon it might be the only viable option. Busy work is easy to automate and no one, no matter how many hours they put in and how much of their life they sacrifice is going to outwork AI on these tasks. Creativity and empathy on the other hand will remain distinctly human for a long time to come. Those who truly understand this will embrace AI not as an obstacle or adversary, but as an enabling technology to take their humanity to the next level. What will empower them to do so will be a healthy approach to the rhythm of work and leisure and the deliberate practice of time off. So we might as well start practicing right now. Thanks to Max for taking the time to read his awesome article. And we plan to have a section in our book where we dive deeper into 
our perspective of leisure time off as a part of the future of work and to be more interesting and creative. And aside from the book's capability of convincing you why time off is important and your rest ethic is important, that will give a glimpse of how you can specifically leverage time off in the future of work. I just wanted to end saying that I have been thinking about this on a personal front. The Time Off Project, not only the research, the podcast, but also the writing, is an area where I'm already enjoying more time off to think strategically about our content because I'm using a lot of new automation and tools. For example, when I write, I'm not starting from scratch like I have with a lot of articles in the past that I've written. I mean, I still type on a keyboard, but I'm the type of person that likes to think aloud. And so throughout my day, when I have a moment of inspiration, could be on a walk, could be after a phone call with somebody, or maybe I grab a coffee or a lunch with a friend. It's usually when I'm not at my computer that I have a moment of inspiration, an epiphany, or just an idea of an anecdote that could work in the book. And in those moments, I've been using a little system on my phone called Just Press Record, and I've got that connected with another tool called otter.ai. And I just record a voice memo, like a voice note of myself, and that gets stored in the cloud, and then it gets translated into text. So in a way, I kind of have my own stenographer in my pocket. And what's nice about that is when I actually decide to sit down to write, I've got all of these snippets of text that essentially came from my mouth, but these tools which are leveraging software and other means of automation, I just have a hopper filled with these ideas. And so when I sit down and write, I don't really have writer's block and I write and I'm writing much different than just starting from scratch. I'm editing my thoughts. And A, that saves me time and it makes it easy to get going on my writing, but then B I've found that my writing is much more pleasant when it originated from me talking because it sounds more like me. So that's one example of tools that are at the bleeding edge that most of us have access to that are allowing me to automate a lot of my workflow so that when I do do my deep work, I'm not doing a lot of te- tedious, busy work. And I'm actually having my breakthrough ideas when I'm taking time off throughout my day to connect with friends, go play on a workout, some other form of hobby. In these moments, I'm able to quickly capture my idea and then use some tools to leverage so that when I do sit down, when I am time on for writing, it's much easier. So I'm optimistic about the future of work and leisure because... 
in a way, I'm, I'm living it now. And I think the tools are going to only get more incredible. And if you're open-minded, you'll be able to use them to then more intentionally succeed in your time on and time off. I appreciate you listening. Hopefully this provokes some interesting thoughts and some excitement about the future of work for you. And as always, reach out to Max or I at timeoffbook.com if you have thoughts, ideas, or you just want to argue or debate what we just presented to you. I appreciate you and hope that you find a calm moment soon. Take it easy.